I think there are a number of different aspects which I think humans and in particular doctors will be better than AI. It's not so much that AI is necessarily going to take our jobs, it's how AI will change the quality of jobs that are available. It's very scary to think about that we depend in so many aspects already on this kind of technology. How do we regulate it is really a big issue. Keine Technik und auch KI ist nicht nur gut oder schlecht. No technology, and that goes for AI as well, is just good or bad. Also, das werden auf jeden Fall gewisse Dinge besser und andere schlechter. Some things will be better and others worse. AI and us. KI. AI and us. Und wir. KI und wir. What artificial intelligence, What artificial intelligence means. means for our lives. Was künstliche Intelligenz means for our lives. Was künstliche Intelligenz für unser Leben bedeutet. An Alexander von Humboldt Foundation Science Podcast. Science Podcast. Ein Wissenschaftspodcast der Alexander von Humboldt Stiftung. Episode 10. How is AI changing our lives? Great hopes are being placed in artificial intelligence. It is supposed to enhance our lives in many ways. Daniel Rueckert, who works on AI in medicine, thinks in terms of algorithms that facilitate therapies tailored to individual patients. Precision medicine is the technical term. We can potentially customize our AI algorithm for a particular subject in the population by, for example, weighting the training data, which is similar to that patient, much more heavily than perhaps data which is not very similar to the patient. Instead of prescribing therapies that, on average, produce good results in all patients, doctors can use AI support to examine individual cases much more precisely. But this approach could fail because it requires such a vast amount of patient data to ensure that there is a sufficient number of similar cases in the database for every person. To construct a database of this kind is difficult. In many jurisdictions around the world, for example, also in Germany, people are sometimes quite nervous about how their personal data is used, and especially if it's in the context of healthcare, because Your health is perhaps one of the most sensitive personal data which exists. So it is something where people are, for good reasons, reluctant to share, especially if they don't know who they're really sharing their data with. AI could lead us to change our attitude to data, to think differently about data protection and privacy. And the question is, where does this data come from? Or more importantly, to whom does this data belong to? Melitza Gacic, researcher at the University of Dusseldorf, also works on this topic. If you send an email to somebody, is that email yours or is that somebody else's? Or who owns that email? Who can learn from that email? And that really is a big question. Who has the right to look at your data? Who has the right to train their models on that data? who can make money from their data, who can use the information about you from your data. 
In her own work on systems that are better at holding conversations, she has various visions for the future. One is that conversational AI of this kind could be utilized as a teacher. If we had conversational AI as teachers, this could scale and reach everyone. You just need an internet connection, and that would be fantastic. That, I think, is the benefit of AI, that it's so much more scalable than anything that's physical. Knowledge sharing using AI has enormous potential. But for Christiane Becker-Asano, it depends on what knowledge is being shared with whom. I like social robots very much. I mean, that's part of my research. But I'm very nervous, let's say, about how this is now to be used in an economic sense. He's referring to a startup that sells a little 30-centimeter-high robot. Really cute, well-designed, really interactive. But is that what a teacher or preschool teacher should look like? This social robot is then put into my child's room to teach it social skills or to teach it a language. Right? All these things which are very human in the basic sense. Right? I mean, teaching a language means knowing the culture. And it's not only learning a language, it's also learning the culture and learning about the country and learning about the person who's teaching you. You will always remember who taught you that language because it's such a personal thing. And social abilities, I mean, how can a robot that simulates social abilities teach social abilities, the small child? It can maybe teach the robot, but not the other way around. A future artificial intelligence may look as human as it likes, but it won't have any experience of life, experience of its own. Nonetheless, people tend to impose decisions on machines that are profoundly human. One example of this is the so-called trolley problem, a thought experiment that is often cited in connection with autonomous vehicles. How should autonomous vehicles behave in an impasse situation when an accident has become unavoidable? How can they minimize the damage caused? Amy van Weinsberg and Tobias Matzner describe the trolley problem as follows. Der klassische Fall ist dieser the classic case is that a trolley or a streetcar is hurtling toward people who have somehow gotten stuck on the tracks. And there are three people, all of whom will definitely be run over. Or you could pull a switch, the, the train would move over into the other track and you would kill one person. So, the question is, should you do it? Is it better to allow a disaster to happen or to actively trigger one. The trolley problem has been kind of hijacked by the autonomous vehicle space to say that if you had an autonomous vehicle and the vehicle could make the choice between killing five people or one people, what would you want your vehicle to do? Done. And this has been played through in thousands of configurations, sometimes with more people here and fewer there. Well, that's the original. But also there's a child here and a very old person there. There's an old lady crossing the street. On the other one, there is a paramedic crossing the street. So you have the choice. Would you save the paramedic? Would you save the elder lady who's crossing the street? Also, such socially charged situations as a homeless person on the one side and an executive on the other. So it's all been done. And the question is always the same. What should happen? 
there is a website where various scenarios like this are described. Users can vote for the course of action they find more acceptable. The answers were scientifically evaluated for the first time in 2018. They came to the conclusion that this is how the car should act in certain situations, which is the wrong conclusion. Rather, they should have said, nay, this is how a hundred or a thousand people would describe as for them what they would want the car to do. And morally speaking, it is a completely different issue whether an individual should act in one way or another in this situation, or whether a car maker should construct cars that behave in one way or another on principle. But because previously a person, that is a being capable of taking a moral stance, was driving the car, we now act as though the car itself should be imbued with morals. The trolley problem has been kind of used in a sort of manipulative way to blur the lines between a description of how people would act in that situation and how people should act in that situation. And that, I think, is what is really crass. That this deterministic attitude toward cars suddenly legitimizes questions that we as a society had actually agreed were not legitimate. In many respects, it is unclear what effects the various applications of AI will have on society, not just with regard to autonomous vehicles. There are still many open questions, and they are often social questions. That's why Amy Van Weinsberg wants to exercise caution. We must recognize that this is still very much a social experiment. Right? As we implement AI into society, we all become participants of this large-scale experiment. And if we recognize the experimental nature of using technology at this scale in society on you know, the actions of everyday individuals, then we can start to put safeguards in place. She warns that AI can too quickly become an infrastructure that once it has been procured and utilized is hard to get rid of or replace with something better. She draws a comparison with cars and the corresponding road infrastructure. The established status quo makes it difficult to abandon private transport. That AI will become an infrastructure, whether for good or bad, is something Tobias Matzner is certain of. Ich glaube, KI wird immer weniger einfach ein Thema werden. I think AI itself will become less of a topic. It has simply turned into such a fundamental technology, like computers. It used to be really special when someone did something on a computer. Today, nobody would be seriously interested in someone doing something on a computer. The question is rather, what is it we are doing on the computer? We werden uns einem Punkt annähern, wo wir über künstliche Intelligenz und die daraus entstehenden Anwendungen so reden, wie wir heute. And I think that's where we're heading with AI. We will get close to a point where we talk about artificial intelligence and its applications the way we now talk about computers. Then, artificial intelligence will just be ordinary, part of our everyday lives. To what extent we allow it to become part of ourselves is something we have to decide along the way. This was the 10th and last episode of AI and Us, a science podcast by the Alexander von Humboldt Foundation. 
The experts in this series were Christian Becker Asano, Professor for Artificial Intelligence at the Hochschule de Midian in Stuttgart, Martin Butt, former Alexander von Humboldt Foundation Theodore Lunen Fellow and Professor of Computer Science, Psychology and Cognitive Systems at the University of Tübingen, Melitza Gacic, Sofia Kovaleskaya Award winner and Professor of Dialogue Systems and Machine Learning at University Dusseldorf. Tobias Matzner, Professor in the Department of Media, Algorithms and Society at Paderborn University. Daniel Ruckert, Alexander von Humboldt Professor for Artificial Intelligence in Healthcare and Medicine at TUM Munich. And Amy van Weinsberg, Alexander von Humboldt Professor for Applied Ethics of Artificial Intelligence at the University of Bonn. Voice actors, Kendra Hoffman, Michelle Ransom Hughes, Drew MacArthur, and Steve Mencher. Theme music, Josh Richard. Production, Thomas Reintjes. Editing, Mareike Ulzeman, Alexander von Humboldt Foundation. Translation, Linda Lish Knight. More about Humboldt AI at www.humboldt-foundation.de.